Thanks for listening to this DigitalGov podcast. These podcasts focus on helping agencies build a 21st century digital government. There are no stupid questions. Our teachers told us this when we were young, but as adults, we use the phrase sarcastically. Did you really just ask me that, you think? I actually have a favorite comeback for stupid questions. I say, if only there were a place I could visit that contains all the knowledge in the world. Maybe then we could find an answer to your question. And I love this idea. All of the knowledge in all of human history, at my fingertips, searchable. That's the key phrase, really, searchable. All of the knowledge doesn't matter if you can't find it. I'm Ashley Wickman with the DigitalGov team. Today, I'm exploring search engines. To be precise, I'm exploring how my coworkers on DigitalGov search help us find what we're looking for on government websites. And who better to speak with about information organization than a librarian? Dawn McCluskey is a search analyst on the DigitalGov search team, and she's here to tell us a little bit more. Thanks for uh, speaking with us, Dawn. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about what DigitalGov Search does and what is a librarian doing in a search engine? Well, we provide the search service that powers the search box on about 2,500 government websites, both federal, state, local, and tribal. And we compile search results from across the spectrum of where agencies publish their content. So not only on their websites, but also in their social media presence, through their RSS feeds, and even pulling in content from other websites that may be relevant to the audiences that they're serving. As a librarian, and both I and Amy Farage Fijo, the program manager for Digital Gov Search, are librarians by training, my interest is in helping people find information and trying to develop systems to facilitate their content discovery. So a search engine is a perfect place to do that because everybody knows that the web could use a little organization for information <laughs> access purposes. So that that's where I fit myself in on that bridge between content and discovery. So why have a homegrown search service in government to begin with? Well, it comes down to ROI. Um, The commercial search engines come with a hefty price tag often and are priced at the agency by agency level or sometimes even the domain level. And having a government service allows us to leverage the best of the practices in the search industry while also allowing agencies to redirect their resources towards content development and customer service rather than trying to just manage a search system, which we can do for them. So you're making it a little bit easier on the rest of the government, hopefully. Yeah, we hope to. We hope to. That's, that's our goal. We try to bring the configuration of the search, which is often the domain of the content managers on a website out of the IT shop and into the web manager's office so that they have the tools available to them to surface the content that their users are looking for on their websites rather than having to go to someone who has server access and ask that person who may or may not be responsive to make some changes to the search configuration. 
So what are some of the things that you think are great achievements that have happened as a result of digital gov search? And maybe what are some of the challenges that you or your team faces? Well, one of the things that is a hallmark of our service is that we do pull content from all of the places that a agency might publish their, their materials. So um, the Federal Register, for instance, we use their API to pull search results for uh, constituents when they run a query, and then that can be rolled up as part of their search results, job listings. Um, I mentioned the social media presence. We pull in YouTube, Instagram, Flickr, um, Twitter, and we're able to compile all of these government-specific publishing venues in a way that the commercial services have not uh, don't do because they rely on the agency themselves, the customer, to, to know what the configuration is that that particular customer needs. Um, and it makes sense because they're not going to be able to provide that agency focus when they're looking at a broader spectrum of customers. So what's next? I know recently um, from an article on DigitalGov that you have um, introduced some multilingual efforts, and that was something you guys have been working on for a while. So what else is coming down? Or Yeah, so um, we have uh, a content indexing API that we are rolling out this year, which we're very excited about. That's going to allow us to pull content directly from an agency's website into our index for uh, for indexing. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't sound very exciting, but what it does is allow the agency to have full control over the form of their search results. So a lot of people aren't aware that when Google and Bing and other commercial search services put together a, a list of search results that they're presenting to you as a searcher, that title and snippet are basically their best guess as to what the title of the page is and what the uh, best description of the page would be for you to make an informed decision about clicking on that link. Um, because they have such a huge scope of work, they do their best to make an informed decision about what that should be. But sometimes the page itself doesn't have usable cues for what the page title should be in terms of the way that the content is actually structured. And so then sometimes what they do is basically outsource of a search result to references to that page that are on other websites. And so that's where the, you know, the famous Google bomb effect can come in where, you know, why is my page, why does this page about, you know, some unexciting agency topic showing up with a title about meeting girls in high school. Like what is going on there? And it's a weird <laughs> thing that happens. And agencies would like to have full control over the titles of their pages because when it gets out into the commercial indices, they're not able to have that control. Um, with our indexing API, we call it I-14Y. Um, it's a hacker abbreviation for both interoperability and Independence Day, which we thought was pretty fun. Um, so I-14Y allows them to send us exactly what they want the page title and description for a particular item to be. It doesn't sound exciting, but it's really exciting. <laughs> I can see the excitement on your face right now. And I'm sure <laughs> that people will be able to hear it in your voice as well. Yeah, it's this nerdy, but, you know, we get it done. <laughs> and you have fun. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of fun.
So back to my dream of a perfect search. Is it real? Can I have the answer to any question on the internet? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you can't. Um, so one of the first things you learn in library school is about this sort of series of gateways for answering a question. The first gate is, does the information exist? So some question about where did Ben Franklin keep his jetpack? You know, we can't answer that question, right? For obvious reasons. We're stopped at the gate. The information does not exist. The second gate is if the information exists, did somebody write it down? Is it recorded in any way? And, you know, in our current world of people saying things out loud all the time for better or for worse, you know, maybe we're getting a little bit more in that direction. But, um, you know, the, the question of, you know, did Thomas Jefferson snore? We could probably find that out if we read through Sally Hemings' diary, you know? She probably wrote it down at some point if it bothered her. <laughs> um, but then it has to be published and made accessible. So those are the last two gateways. They, if, if she wrote it down, but it never got published, in, it never got put out, then we don't have access to it. And then if it is behind some wall, security, a paywall, you know, there are all sorts of reasons that we might not be able to access something. Um, and so where Digital Gov Search sits is at that bridge in between publishing and access to help people find information that they're working, looking for that is published, that does exist, that agencies want to get out to their audiences, to their customers, to the public, and um, so that we can do the business of our country. And for all the jetpack enthusiasts out there, I did look up the phrase, where did Ben Franklin keep his jetpack? And there is no answer. <laughs> so I have to ask, um, as a librarian, what are you reading and what do you recommend that we read? Oh, gosh. Well, I just finished a book by Tony Hawks called Round Ireland with a Fridge. Um, it's a fabulous and funny memoir. He's a, a British comedian, and uh, it was it was an enjoyable read. I'm not sure if everyone would like a loopy memoir about hitchhiking around Ireland with a fridge, uh, but I thought it was a lot of fun, sort of a random find. Um, if you have quirky tastes. Great. Well, thank you, Don. <laughs> thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by DigitalGov. For more information, please visit digitalgov.gov.